What's up, everybody? Zach here with the Zach Shanky Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. Sorry for clearing my throat in your ear. Um, sometimes I forget that like, some people have like headphones on. Um, anyway. Okay, so this podcast episode may be a little bit lengthy, but I, I have to do this. It is, it is a need from within. Um, this podcast episode is most likely going to help me more than you. <laughs> just, just being transparent. I mean, I've been learning so much, so much, and I haven't been podcasting a lot due to um, getting into a state of overwhelm and stuck, and not really stuck. I mean, I'm, I'm. There's forward progression, but there's, you know, I've had to cut some things out. I've been, I tend to choose the wrong things to cut out. <laughs> But it is what it is. I'm getting back into habits, good positive behavioral behaviors and habits. So here's what I want to do in this episode. And, and by the way, you are going to get a lot of benefit. Um, I am essentially going to map out the biggest epiphanies that I have had on my entrepreneurship journey. And if I can remember, I will even reference the sources from where I have learned said epiphanies. I'll keep in mind as well, be patient with me a little bit as I am driving on a highway and uh, it is raining as well. (laughs) So um, I'm also, you know, driving is priority. So if I just randomly stop, (laughs) just know I'm changing lanes or, or whatever. Okay. So, all right. All right, here we go. Epiphany number one. And there's no way I'm going to keep track of these epiphanies. I'm just going to I'm just going to talk, okay? It's up to you to sort them out if you're taking notes. If you're driving and listening, feel free to keep listening. Uh, but I would recommend that when you're done and you get home, listen again, but with notes this time. Like I'm telling you, these are the golden ticket things that have gotten us to a really good spot as a business. Um, all right, here we go. Epiphany number one, cash flow is king. Businesses do not go out of business because they lack assets. They always 100% of the time go out of business because of a lack of cash flow. 100% of the time, every single business that is out of business is because of a lack of cash flow or they like broke the law or something, right? But the legal people, the good people, is because they lack cash flow. Cash flow is what kills business. Lack of cash flow is what kills businesses. That is very, very important. When you are making investment decisions as a company, your goal is not to hurt the cash flow. That cash flow is the key to, to the whole game. Number one key to the whole game, apart from your mission, vision, values. Epiphany number two, have a set of mission, vision, and values (laughs) and live by them. Don't just run your business by them, live them. You are the leader of the business, uh, presumably. Even if you're not the leader of the business, you are among leadership in a business. You have some form of leadership in your current position. Even as an employee, you have a form of leadership. Live your own mission, vision, values system and stick with that 
that is going to help you between that and the cash flow thing all your decisions are basically made like there's no difficult decisions at that point it's like okay does this fit mission vision values and does it cause a negative impact on cash flow right or is it reasonable right these are these are the questions to ask very very simple um okay now we're gonna get those are the the two simple aspects (laughs) of business now we're gonna get into some of the nitty-gritties i would say epiphany number three is to have a three-way partnership your you should have if you are the leader of the business you want to create a business what have you you should have two other business partners the necessity of the business partnership you have to have to have to have a visionary and don't let your ego get in the way here this is what i see i've noticed this i've seen it i'm i'm i geek out over business things leadership interviews books i read them i listen to them all the time more than more than you could possibly imagine okay if i'm not podcasting in my car like i am right now i am listening to books or podcasts and most of the time the if i if i choose to listen to a podcast it's either business wars or it's some type of interview on some other podcast i love hearing interviews of people and here's something here's a pattern i've noticed Many, many people understand the concept of visionary and integrator because it's a very famous concept, okay? If you want to learn what a visionary and an integrator are, read the book Rocket Fuel. That's it. That's all you got to do. Read the book Rocket Fuel, okay? Now, here's the deal. Most of the time, in the visionary-integrator type of partnership, most of the time, the face of the company is the visionary. So what people do... This is the part that I've observed. And give me a minute. I'm going to be changing some lanes here. And there's semi-trucks and stuff. You know how that is. It's a little... Just got to focus here real quick. I got one lane over and two lanes over like a boss. Okay. So, most people, they say, oh, I'm the visionary. Why? Because, number one, they might have some good ideas about their business. That does not mean you're a visionary, by the way. I have great ideas about our business. I am not the visionary, okay? Everyone has a bit of both in them, by the way. Everyone does. You have some qualities of both. The question is, which one do you thrive in? Which one are you your best self in? Which position, okay? A visionary does not mean you just have good ideas about your business. That's every leader in the business. They don't even have to be a founder to have good ideas for the business, right? Like, in fact, as a leader of the business, you should be listening to employees and their ideas about the business. Don't sell people short just because of their title. That's stupid and foolish. Everyone has a gift and everyone has thought processes and those thought processes can inspire great ideas or be great ideas. Okay, anyway, back to... um, if, If you have two partners, you and two other people are partners of a company... I'll tell you the big con with that. The big con, um, and by con, I mean pro and con, like the bad thing. The bad thing about that is, yeah, you're going to split revenues, or uh, I should say split profits three ways, which means less money for you. But does it really mean less money for you? And the answer to that is, heck, no. 
Because the thing is, is if you do it by yourself, yes, you'll get more of the profit. But how much of that, how much it is profit, <laughs> right? Like you're going to be making a whole lot less profit than if you have three people. And if two of those three people, one's a visionary, one's an integrator, you're golden. Now, it could be you have one visionary, two integrators. You could have two visionaries, one integrator, although I definitely don't recommend that. Or you could have one visionary, one integrator, and one very well-balanced person <laughs> that's, that's very well-balanced between the two, okay? And that is Travis. By the way, in our, in our business, Brian is definitely the visionary. So think about Brian. Think about his leadership style. Think about the things that he says, okay? Like, like he's a little um, eccentric, right? He's like, he's, he's, he's like, he's such an influential person and such a great guy and the biggest heart I've ever seen on a person, ever. And, it, and it's magnetizing. That's a visionary, okay? I'm the integrator. Um, I manage crap. <laughs> okay. An integrator has two jobs. You manage everything, <laughs> number one. And number two, you translate visionary speak. <laughs> okay. Visionaries speak their own language. <laughs> and you as the integrator, it is your job to translate what they're saying into actions. Into action steps. Okay. And when you get really good at that, you are an instrument that is very hard to find. And I'm so grateful for, for Brian. And, and he and I discovered this, this partnership before, obviously, before Travis came on board. Um, if you know anything about our, our story together and how we all met and all that stuff. But before Travis was with me and Brian, it was just me and Brian. And it was very much visionary integrator. And we identified that pretty early on um, without putting the label to it. We just kind of identified that we have our own roles and uh, what those roles are, right? And our strengths and our weaknesses and how we help each other and complement each other. We identified that early on, which is partly why I sold my shares to the very successful agency that I was running in order to um, partner with Brian because I saw that compatibility. And, and does that mean Brian and I always agree on stuff? Heck no. <laughs> Heck no. <laughs> we get into arguments, right? Travis is in on that too. Sometimes, A lot of times Travis ends up being the mediator because... <laughs> Brian and I both have a bit of an ego and <laughs> when it's like complete opposites of the fence it's it's ooh, ooh, it's a hot topic and usually Travis is the one there to, to kind of say hey you know what uh, I agree with one side or the other side or he says hey I think you're both kind of right I'm just going to let you guys duke this out and sort it out and like literally he'll do that it's hilarious it, it's, it is funny because we never we never like hate each other we never get like really actually mad anymore like we have in the past that just doesn't happen anymore we'll get frustrated with each other but not like mad we still love each other to death like we are best friends um, and Travis is included in that um, and we, we just we talk all the time all, all three of us oh, dang I was gonna get in the lane and and a guy took my spot. He took it like a thief. Anyway, um, so visionary integrator, but three people, three people. If I could choose the best combos, 
one would be one visionary, one integrator, one balanced person like Travis. Travis is a, a lot of visionary and a lot of integrator. Okay. Um, that's probably the best number one combo. If I had to choose a close second, it would be one visionary, two integrators. Not even joking. Not even joking. Because sometimes, speaking as an integrator myself, it does sometimes feel like I need two integrators <laughs> to handle one Brian. <laughs> He's got so many visions. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, it's great. And, and it's necessary. It is 100% necessary. Okay, cool. Epiphany done. So three-way partnership, at least one visionary, at least one integrator, figure out the combos. I could not imagine you would have to be the best integrator in the world to have two visionaries and one integrator. I, I just can't imagine that. I really can't. I don't see how that would possibly be possible. Um, to give you... <clears throat> never mind. Yeah. All right. I was going to go... Whatever. Okay. If you want to learn more about visionaries and integrators... Read the book track. Uh, read the book Rocket Fuel, and right after you're done with that book, read the book Traction, because Traction I, helps to identify those roles even further. And specifically, if you are an integrator, Traction is going to be your bible. That thing is is amazing. Okay. Next epiphany. The people that you put in your business. Now, this does come from the book Traction. It also comes from a book called Good to Great. So, Traction um, talks about putting the right people in the right seats. Okay? And they have to have the capacity to do the job, to do the, the, the seat, right? And they have to have the willingness to do it. And I think there's a third step in there somewhere. Read the book. You'll find it. <laughs> but ultimately, they have to be willing. And it has to make sense for everyone. It has to be a win-win. And the right person in the right seat. Um, if you have the wrong person in the seat, everything kind of goes to crap. Um, and we've experienced that too. And it's not fun. So get the right people in the right seats. Um, the other part of the leadership, every every piece of your leadership of your company should be living the mission, vision, values. Now, does that mean they're going to be perfect? No, of course not. No one's perfect. I'm, I'm not perfect. Um, but they have to be striving to live within the company's mission, vision, and values. And with that said, they should be part of the process to identify your mission, vision, and values. By the way, that's also in traction. Okay, so our company, Mission, Vision, Values, was established by our company. The, the first set, this is, we're on the second set of mission, vision, values. The first set was identified by me, Brian, and Travis. Mostly Brian. <laughs> With me and Travis saying, sounds good. <laughs> but, but, but we lived by it, right? We agreed. We committed to it. And then the second set was, was created last year. I'm sorry, this year, January of 2023. And we identified... Um, Was it January of 2023? No. I think it was before that. I think it was July of 2022. I don't know. One of the two. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, we have a new set of mission, vision, values uh, that was done not just by me, Brian, and Travis, but me, Brian, Travis, James, uh, Donald, Janelle, and Aaron, I think. I think that's it. And Dave Wimbush was there, too. So all the leaders of the company... Um, we're in on that and we've created what, what is now on our website. You just go to the website, find our mission, vision, values. You can see them all listed there. Okay. Very good. So the type of leaders 
um, should not only be living your mission, vision, values, but they should also have an attitude of service, an attitude to help, right? Um, have confidence with humility, a humble confidence about them. Okay. The, what the, what I'm talking about there is confidence versus arrogance. It's not the same thing. Arrog- being confident does not mean arrogant. There's a huge difference. It's like being confident, but with an attitude of humility, knowing that you're not like, <laughs> you're, you're not alone, right? You're not like a one man show or one woman show. You, you're a part of a team and you're nothing without that team. Myself included. I'm nothing without my team. Absolutely nothing. I get humbled by that over and over and over again. Okay. Uh, so three-way partnership, um, visionary integrator, mission, vision, values among your whole leadership team, attitude of service among your whole leadership team. These are all like, these are all like the mind, the mind side of things and how people think and how in the, you know, it's more of the philosophical side. What about the actual technical side, like the, the tactics and strategies behind running a business and starting a business and having success with that business? All right. So there's a few key principles here. Number one, as the founder, the founder should always, one of the founders, in this case, we're talking about a three-way partnership, one of the three or multiple of the three should be the ones to do a task before delegating. I will stand by this over and over again, okay? If, if I want someone to do my marketing for me, I have to do it myself first. I know that sounds ridiculous, because there's a lot of there's a lot of advice out there that says quite the opposite. That says, hey, don't even worry about doing the tasks you don't know how to do. Just hire it out. I strongly disagree with that. Here's why: when you and, and this is this is from my experience at running two different ad agencies. Okay, when it comes to running an ad agency, there's this thing that we do. We we fill out things like, oh shoot, this is why traffic is slow. There's an accident coming up here. Let me uh, scoot over, give this guy some space. Oh man, no fun, dude. I feel so bad when that happens. Like, oh man, how rotten. What a rotten day for him. Oh, oh, pray for the guy on the side of the road. Poor soul. Okay, traffic is flowing though, which is good. All right, <laughs> so we do things like avatar worksheets and empathy maps. And we basically try to get into the head of the owner of the company as to why they started what they started, what their audience is actually thinking and feeling, and going through all that. The reality is, sometimes that's really hard to articulate. And sometimes, the only person that can truly articulate it well is the founder. So, sometimes, it's really, like, you have to be very, very skilled to, to make that translation a thing. Let me give you an example. And, and this is going to kind of toot my own horn here a little bit, all right? I, I, I promise you this is not the attitude of I'm the best. It's an attitude of I've had this experience and now this is where I'm at. Like this is my, my level of marketing and tran- like translating and articulating these types of things is very, very, a, a very high level. It's a very good thing. So I'll give you two examples. One, I was talking with a guy. He calls himself the evil marketing genius. Okay, I don't know. 
I don't know who gave him the title. I don't get it. <laughs> but whatever. Nice guy. Super nice dude. Uh, ultimately, he runs like a, I don't know. I don't know how many millions, but multi-million dollar ad agency. And I had the opportunity to kind of talk with him a little bit about my mentor's stuff. And when I was talking to this guy, um, he had made a suggestion and I didn't counter that suggestion, but instead provided a little more clarity to the suggestion. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. So you mean like, boom. And I articulated it very, very well. To the point where this guy, who has significantly more experience in marketing than I do, he looked at um, my business mentor, Blair, who was on the call, and he's like, Blair, where'd you find this guy? <laughs> no joke, you guys. Because, <laughs> like, now I feel really confident Zach knows what he's doing. Okay? Like, talk about validation, guys. I was just trying to clarify the point, made sure I understood. And apparently I understood on a whole nother level. <laughs> so, which was great. Second example also has to do with Blair. Um, Blair did hire a marketing agency um, to perform kind of a major task for him. Um, and I, when he, he presented to me this idea of, of getting this task performed, and I'm like, dude, you need a very, very like high-level marketing company to do this. So this high-level marketing company that charges quite a, quite a lot of money, um, they, they invited Blair, of course, on a call to help clarify some of his stuff. And, they, and Blair, of course, invited me because I'm very familiar with his stuff. And uh, I get on there, and he's asking Blair these, these questions, which are pretty standard questions to ask. And Blair would answer as best he can. And then I could tell that the marketer was very confused. And I would have to clarify over and over again certain aspects of Blair's stuff. Um, now, to be fair, this, I have nothing against this marketer. I actually think he knows what he's doing for sure. Um, and Blair's stuff is very confusing. And it's, and it's a very difficult thing to distinguish between the competition and his stuff. So um, I was able to help provide some clarity there. And it just, again, it made me feel pretty good because this guy that I was providing the clarity to... He charges way more than any of our agencies have ever charged. Okay. <laughs> like way more, like double. Double our highest price point is what this guy charges. Um, so that that is saying I don't know, that's just saying something. Again, I'm not I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying it is very rare. Even somebody that charges tens of thousands of dollars struggles with with articulating a business's message properly. Okay? That's my point. So, no matter what the task is, my recommendation is first, do some of it to the point of profitability on your own. Do some marketing. Make some money from that. It's going to take some time. It's going to take a lot of effort. You're going to watch a lot of videos. You're going to make a ton of mistakes. This is part of the game. Once you have one marketing campaign that is actually profitable, now you have a message that is properly articulated and tested with the market. You could now take that message and go to a marketing company and say, look, this is what worked. They can run with that. Okay, they know how to do split tests, how to write copy better, probably. Um, how to do different headlines, like they'll take it from there and make it more profitable. That's that's the game. 
Sales, same thing. Owner, business owners should do the sales. And when you have a properly worked out system, you start getting other people to take your place. Now, here's the, here's the fair warning, okay? And I told you guys, this is going to be a long podcast. I'm only like halfway through, okay? Um, fair warning. <clears throat> when you do any of the transition between the owners doing a task and somebody else taking over the task, there's two things to keep in mind. Number one, have some grace. They are not going to do it as well as you most of the time, okay? So be okay with that. Number two, expect them to not do it as well as you, which means probably less money. You're probably not going to make as much money when you make that transition until they start making it their own process and they get familiar with it. And then all of a sudden they can skyrocket without you. Okay. It's just, there's that, there's that in between time that is going to kind of suck. Now bear with me just a second. I have a, uh, a bit of a merge here to do. Um, Sons of monkeys. No one's letting me over. Activating Chicago driving. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I tell my kids when I'm about to drive a little more aggressively than, than normal. <laughs> One more. Hold on. Yoink. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I'm out of the exit only lanes. <laughs> um, have you guys ever driven in Chicago? Oh my gosh. Like, it is seriously, you, it is a different, it's a, it's a whole different world of driving, really. And it's funny, because I, I just went to Wisconsin this weekend um, to visit my with my son. And uh, <laughs> driving in Wisconsin, and I'm like, what is up with these slowpokes? What is going on? What is, it's like such a different world. It's, it's so crazy. Anyway, um, what was I saying? <laughs> Right, so when you when you pass off a task to someone else, just expect it to kind of suck for a little bit and be patient and train. You're not off the task. It's not like if you hire a salesperson, you're no longer on sales. No, no, no. You will be monitoring that person's sales calls, giving them feedback for at least a couple weeks, if not a whole month, okay? You've got to like hold their hand until you can let them fly out the nest. Okay, like that's that's just the way it is. It is just the way it is. We have tried, when we thought we had something built out, a system built out, we have tried delegating to someone else and ugh, major flop. And most of that is because we did not pay enough attention to them. We just thought, oh, here's what to do. Here's some videos. Now it'll just work. And that's just not how it actually works. Okay, so I do have some good examples on that too that I'm going to share with you here. Um... Let's talk about sales real quick. So, uh, historically, it, it started out me and Brian were doing sales together, and then Brian by himself. And then when Travis hopped on board, it was like Brian and Travis, and then Brian and Travis separately uh, doing sales. And uh, those two continue to this day to do sales calls for us. <clears throat> and there was a point this year, 2023, where we hired a sales team. And they had their own system. They had to ask us about our offer and ask us about objections. And, and we went through all of that stuff with them. We made Loom videos. We filled out documents. We did a lot of technical work to get their team on our system and a lot of stuff happening. And then and then they started to, to take on sales calls and it was just a major, major flop at the end of the day. Okay. They made some sales, but at the end of the day, they were basically breaking even our ads. Um, which 
is not good. <laughs> like, we were 10xing our ads, right? Uh, so if we spent a thousand, we'd make ten thousand off of it. Um, while they were like, they spent, we'd spend a thousand, they would make a thousand off of it, kind of thing. Like, it was just not good. It was just, it was not a, not a very great experience. Um, now, is that their fault or our fault? I don't know. I think there's kind of a bit of both. Um, you know, I'm, I'm open about that, and that's why I told them to. I'm like, hey, look, looks like we got some things to work out on our side because obviously, obviously, it didn't just keep working, right? There's things that we got to sort out, and they kind of said the same to us. So we're like, okay, well, this is a nice, friendly break, uh, learning opportunity, a very expensive one, but learning opportunity. Um, so that's one thing where what what should have happened there is we should have insisted on hearing the sales calls so that we could provide immediate feedback um that probably would have done a lot better okay second thing i'm sorry second example is uh has to do more with the the sales process and in a positive light so after we broke up with the other sales team we um we ended up investing into a program that teaches you how to do your own sales team. And I was pretty skeptical, not going to lie, because I've seen a million courses, just like podcasts and books, you guys. Like, I'm an avid, avid course watcher to learn and to learn and to learn and to grow and to become just the best of the best in my field. And uh, and so I was, I'm like, come on, what can these guys possibly, like, show me that I haven't even seen before? Sure enough, they have new stuff that I've never seen before, and I'm so glad we invested. Very expensive, very very expensive course. Um, probably one, of the, actually the most expensive one I've ever invested into. Um, so I invested into it. Well, we did, me, Brian, and Travis. And um, at this point, things are pretty dire because <laughs> not really dire, but like kind of hurting a little bit because number one, we spent a lot on the sales team. Um, number two, we did not make very many sales for the month that we had that sales team on. So now we're lacking in personal funds. And then number three, we decided to invest in another thing, which is a little, pretty much the same fee as the sales team. So we're kind of like, okay, we got to like pull the brakes on the uh, spending here. And uh, so, but we did it. Took a little leap of faith. And um, I'm super glad we did. This team, this uh, course, it did teach us everything that we needed to know. And here's what we did. We built out a new sales system. Um, I watched the course like in a week. It took me a week to go through pretty much all of it. I'm actually not all the way through it, technically. But that's because we're not, we're not done sorting out what I've learned so far. <laughs> so, <clears throat> essentially, here's the new system. The new system is we have one person take a phone call from a lead first we call that person a setter and the reason is because they then set that person that that lead into the closer's calendar into in this case brian and travis's calendar okay and then what i did is we we systemized the closer process a little bit more and we systemized the setter process by writing out a whole script it's a beast of a script by the way it's beautiful and then we're like, okay, first things first. Brian at the time was not available to help with this. So I ended up doing the setting calls and Travis was going to keep doing the closing calls. 
And so, which I very much appreciated because I think I'm stronger on the center side anyways. Um, So I was doing these center calls and it was working great. Uh, Between Travis and myself, we actually doubled sales in a week compared to what we normally get in a week. So like immediate results. So then I'm like, okay, I need to see if this can happen for other people. So we we hired a guy named Israel. He's also on our team. and he's going to be a, a bigger and bigger part role in our team. You'll you'll meet Israel. He's a great guy. So we get Israel on board, and, and he he agrees to be a setter for a little bit. Just and literally understands that it's kind of an experiment. And uh, he gets on, and guess what? He's doing it successfully. Very like from the get go. Like his second call, he's he's already got him set in Travis's calendar, and it was a sale. So I'm like, okay. Let's see if we can get another setter because we would need basically one full-time setter or two part-time setters for every closer that we have. So I I looked around and I found another part-time setter. In this case, it's a 20-year-old kid. Um, He's my son, Donovan. So Donovan, he has a part-time job already. He has a little baby at home and he's looking for some more income. And I'm like, okay, you're going to have to learn how to do this. And so I taught him the script. Uh, His first, like, two calls were really bad <laughs> and he knows it and but this is where like I said the handoff I was listening to every single one of his calls and after every one I would make a loom video on things to improve on whether it was the tone of his voice whether it was the way he asked a question everything before you know it by the end of that first week he made a hundred percent improvement by the end of second week he made a 200 percent improvement I can't wait to see what he does on the third week, which hasn't happened yet. My point in all of this is, guess what? I no longer do the setter calls. I replace myself. So now what am I doing? Now I'm building out a course for that so we can get even more setters while Israel is graduating from setter up to closer. You see how this is working? So what we're doing is we're basically proving the duplicatability of our system one person at a time to make sure that it's all working great. Not only is Israel going to be a closer, but he's also going to be managing the other setters and closers. So instead of me listening to every call, that guy's going to do it. Maybe not every call, but especially for a new person, every call, right? Um, And I know, I already know, there's tons of people in our community that are willing to do the setting calls because my goodness, the amount of time compared to the amount of outcome from that is extraordinary. It's really, really good. Um, So fantastic opportunity so i know i've already got a list of like six of you guys don't worry i know who you are um it's gonna still take like a month at least um and the reason for that is because we don't have we, we're also before we start really scaling that we're, we're gonna have to look into another trading coach as well in order to uh facilitate the increase in people coming in so we're we're kind of it's a balancing act you guys it's a balancing act um but our guinea pigs israel and donovan have done very well so far and so we're really happy with the result and so we're just going to keep uh keep moving along with that when we need when we need more people we'll spend more money on the advertising um and go that route so anyway we're 35 minutes so the whole concept in those those stories and by the way, what I'm doing now is I'm actually doing what we're calling a presetter, which is essentially you just text people all day that respond to our marketing 
and then you get them through text messages to book a time for the setters. So it's a pre-setter. It's a setter for the setter. All right? And it's very simple. We already found someone that's going to be doing that. So now I have to make some videos on how to do it. Um, it's very, very, very simple. But that's not something we're offering to everybody because ultimately that's that's a task for like a, a VA. Um, it'll, it'll be less money for us. Again, cash flow is, is a big part of business, right? So... <laughs> For somebody to have that spend that amount of time texting people, I mean, they'd almost have to have a, like a full time income from us, and we do not want to spend a full time salary for somebody to just text people all day, especially when those text messages, the vast majority of them are just templates, where they can like click the template and then just change a couple words around. So that's something that we can get a VA from a different country, where a small amount of money is a full time income. <laughs> Right, so then they they'll be happy, and uh, and our system will be happy as well. Our our cash flow will be good. So, but setters, that's on the phone. That that cannot be handed off to someone who maybe doesn't have the best English. You know, we have to have stateside people. And by the way, we were putting in the cash flow to that because obviously it's well worth it for everyone involved. Okay, hope that all makes sense. These are all the business decisions that have been being made. Sorry. I've, I've hit, uh, the next thing of traffic here. Oh, I'm in the wrong lane. This sucks. Okay. So that's my, the whole point of those stories was how to hand things off. Start out as the founder, do the things yourself, then hand them off, but don't just hand it off cleanly, hand it off and transition it by managing them along the way. This is a very slow and methodical process, but it is so worth it in the end. Okay? So worth it. It's unbelievable. Um, okay. Let me think. Another epiphany. Um, give me a sec. Okay. Next epiphany has to do with shiny object syndrome. Okay? This is uh, one of the downsides of being an entrepreneur is oftentimes you see opportunities, a lot of opportunities, to the point where you're overwhelmed with opportunities. And sometimes seeing opportunities and, and, and starting opportunities almost is almost like a drug. It's almost addictive to the point where you're just hopping from one opportunity to the next, to the next, to the next. And yeah, you might make some money with one and then the next and the next and the next, but you're not actually going to be able to scale and grow and build actual generational wealth by hopping around all the time. It's just not possible, okay? And I know several entrepreneurs that I don't necessarily like a whole lot, but that do that, and they hop around over and over and over again, and it bugs me quite a bit, actually, because I'm like, oh, well, you just stick with something. (laughs) Just stick with one thing and see what happens, right? Um, So I'll tell you what, if you are a visionary, if you read Rocket Fuel and you identify that, oh my gosh, I am a visionary, Um, then you will have the hardest time with this. And if you have a good integrator, they will, they will help you identify what needs to be a no versus what can be a yes. So I'll give you some examples here because Brian, Brian is definitely an opportunity guy. Okay. He finds opportunities everywhere. And I think that's actually his superpower. And it's, it's actually a very good thing most of the time. Every once in a while, I got to be like, hey, Brian, you know what? Honestly, that's just 
it's going to be a distraction for us. You know, and sometimes what I'll tell them is I'll say, like, look, if you want to pursue that opportunity and start building it while we continue to focus over here, that's fine. And this is the beauty of having a three-way partnership is you can actually allocate each other's expertise a little bit easier uh, in order to maximize results. It's amazing. It's the most amazing thing in the world. Okay. Next epiphany. You, the thing that you are selling better freaking deliver. That's pretty simple, relatively self-explanatory. The hardest industry to do this in is any kind of make money industry. If you are part of a make money online thing or opportunity online or anything to that effect, um, having the actual results is, is the most challenging thing to do. And well, here's what most people do. Most people, they believe that they can deliver the results to the point where they will coach people on that without actually having the real proven result to begin with. Um, I do not subscribe to that model. I don't think it's wise. Um, I would rather see somebody get a full-time job to support their family. Again, cash flow is king. Okay. Get a full-time job so that you don't have to worry about the cash flow. And in your spare time, you focus on delivering your stuff for free for a while to the point of having proven results. Okay. You do that. Now you're golden. Now you're golden. Okay. So that's, that's something that's going to be really helpful. The second suggestion I would make for you in this space is by far all the time, get as many as possible testimonials, as many as possible. One thing that we've noticed, especially with trading, it's the most annoying thing in the world. So if you're listening to this, you're one of my traders. Don't, don't be this person. I say it's annoying, which is not a fair, it's not fair for me to say that. It's a very big judgment on on a very normal thing. (laughs) What they do is my traders are very involved and they're like all in and then they do really, really well. And then because they do well, they don't talk to us again. (laughs) They disappear off the face of the planet. And every once in a while, they'll check in and be like, hey guys. This is, life is great. I'm paying all my bills full time. And it's, uh, and we're like, oh my gosh, can we like get a video of you saying that? Or can we, you know, and then they don't, and then crickets again. It's, it's just, it's annoying. I would ask you guys, those of you that are trading in prosperity movement, uh, just do me a favor. Assuming you get a good result, right? You're working on your trading mastery start withdrawing this year. Please, please, please make some posts about it. Make some videos about it. If you need to know where to make the videos, just, just ask. We will give you a link where you can just push play and record a video about your success. You have no idea how much that helps our movement. Okay. Like so much. Um, so we're working on that really, really hardcore right now. So anyway, um, what was I saying? Right. So, um, I'm losing, I'm losing my train of thought. See, this is what happens when you do a 40 minute podcast guys without any notes. These are just in my head. I'm trying to map out these things. So make sure you're selling something that actually provides a result. Um, there's, I know there's another one. Give me a sec. Oh yeah. Read the book, uh, ready, fire, aim. Okay. Now, 
Ready Fire Aim is a little bit old, so I almost think that some of the things in there are not quite true. Okay, like, they're just a little off. The basic premise of the book is that there's different ages to a business. So there's like an infancy, adolescence, no, no, no. There's infancy, toddler, adolescence, and then maturity. And infancy is zero to a million, toddler is a million to 10 million, adolescence is 10 million to 50 million, and then maturity is over 50 million a year, okay? These are like the stages of a business. And what I love about the book is it breaks down what your priorities should be in each stage. And it's pretty much spot on. The one that I would argue with a little bit, it talks about if you are in the one to 10 million phase, you're still a pretty entrepreneurial comp- like business where it's kind of off the cuff. People can still talk to the founders and executives and stuff like that. When you get above 10 million, it turns more corporate where like you need a corporate structure and like it, it turns a little bit more corporate. Here's the thing I would argue on that part of the book. I actually think the corporate structure comes in way earlier than 10 million. I would say like 3 million a year is when you need that corporate structure pretty heavily. And when that happens, because the heart, the person that struggles with that part the most is the visionary. So when that happens, get your visionary for you integrators, get them on something new, get them starting the next initiative, right? Like they can be like an entrepreneur within, within the corporation, so to speak. Okay. Um, there's ways to do that anyway, but the book ready fire aim is absolutely phenomenal. If you read these books, rocket fuel traction, ready fire aim and great, good to great. Um, holy smokes. And then if you buy the course that we bought about building out your own sales team and other things, fantastic course. It's called the company is called scale 13. Um, it's pretty expensive, but it's totally worth it. Um, so I would, I would do those things. I would do those things, guys. Get a three-way partnership with folks. It's well worth it to do something like that. Um, you could even like test out partners, by the way. If it's your company and you're looking for a partner, you can say like, hey, why don't we just work together for two months and see kind of if it's a good fit. You'll still get paid, just not as a partner. You know, like, we'll just keep this temporary. Well, maybe we will pay you as a partner for two months. But in the contract, we have to reevaluate after those two months to see if we're a good fit for each other. Like, you can do that stuff. Be creative with it. These are the things, if, if I had known these things at the beginning, we would have gotten to the point where we are right now even faster. Now, that said, we've gotten here pretty darn quick. We are moving in. We're, we're, we've almost been a company for... Um, Holy crap, guys. It hasn't even been two years since Prosperity Movement began. Like, we're moving very, very quickly. And it's because of these things that I'm telling you. So I hope you can take those to heart. Um, Make notes. Use those notes whenever you are ready to start your own entrepreneurship endeavor, your own business, etc. I know many of you guys do have ideas for that, which is great. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Love y'all. Talk to you later.